Amen. I want to go, if I could, into the Word this morning, and I want to share with you, um, you know, what what is the cost of sin, and what is the price of reconciliation? I think so often we don't really evaluate the cost of sin, not to its fullest extent. I think most Christians, speaking for myself, we don't hate sin enough. And I think, and I'm, I know I'm saying I think, but I really, I look to the Word of God because it really doesn't matter what I think, does it? God's Word is true. He said, let every man be a liar and let his word be true. So everything that I think has to be within the parameters of the Logos. Every rhema, every thought has to be brought into subjection. That's what Jesus said. He said, the, the things that I say are not mine. He said, every word that I speak are not my own words, but that the words that come from my Father above. And, you know, that's, that's powerful. To think, Lord, that we would be so disciplined. That's what the word disciple means. That we would frame our thoughts and our thinking, same thing probably, into the parameters that God has given us. But we can't do that if we don't know the word. In John, it says, the word, the, the, the word was God. In John 1, 1. And it said, and the word became flesh, Jesus. And he dwelt with us. Isn't that wonderful? So we understand that Paul said, I know whom I have believed. What is he saying? He's saying, well, go to John 1, 1, and you realize to know him is to know his word. So important to digest and know his word. How can we know somebody if we don't know their heart? We spoke for a few weeks on the, uh, on the talent that Jesus talked about in a parable. One went and produced Ten talents with his five talents. He doubled his talent. Another with five, you know, and he doubled his. But what we realize is the one with, with two doubled his. But the one with one hid it. Why? I'll tell you why. He didn't know the word. He said, I knew that you were a hard taskmaster. I knew that you sowed where you did not reap. You reaped, should I say, where you did not sow. So his whole outlook of what God was, was misconstrued by his own thinking instead of what the Word said. The Bible said God is love. If you don't know him, you'll never come to the right conclusion in your thinking. Because the Bible said his ways are higher than your ways. His thinking is greater than your thinking. The Bible says that there is a way that seems right to a man. 
But he said, I promise you, it will always lead him to destruction. So what am I saying? I'm saying we need to have the mind of Christ. And what did Jesus say? He said, let this mind be in you, which, was, which is also in me, that we might become one, even as I am the father of one. Jesus said in John 17, he said, Father, the glory that you've given me, I've given to them. That they may be one even as we are one. And what does he mean by the glory? It's what clothes you. It's the Shekinah. It is the glory of God. What is that glory? That glory is his word. It is the clothing. It is what covers us. It's what keeps us. The word of God. We just sang that song. Nothing but the blood. It's the word of God that bled for you. Because Jesus is the Word. It's the Word of God that hung on the cross. It's the Word of God that we must know because I want to know Him. And we don't know Him through some philosophical uh, idea. There's all kinds of philosophical ideas. There's all kinds of gurus that will come and fill your head with all kinds of philosophy. That might seem right. It might seem that with, that if you practice Zen or, or any of those things, they'll they'll bring you to some some peace. But I'm going to tell you, there's only one peace, and that is the Word of God. Jesus said, "I am the truth, and I am the way." And He said, "No man will go to heaven or come to the Father but through Me." Let's get into my sermon this morning. That was just a prelude. You see, this whole story begins in Genesis 3. Well, I mean, you know, there was a little bit before that, but what I'm saying is that the fall of man begins in Genesis 3. And I want to read verses 14 and 15 to you. It said, And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, beguiled Eve, thou art cursed above all the cattle. And above every beast of the field. And upon thy belly shalt thou go, and the dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. What is he saying? There's a consequence to what you've done. And I will put enmity, or I will make an enemy between you and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. What is he saying here? He's saying, I will make a remedy for her, but for you there'll be none. And he said that she shall bring forth a child. And that child will bruise your head, even though it will bruise his heel. Jesus will crush the head of Satan with his heel through his crucifixion, his death, and his resurrection. What he's saying to the devil is that the woman, the seed that you have done everything to corrupt, I will make a remedy for her, but there's none for you. None for you. 
In Isaiah 52, 13 through 15, he says it like this, that behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled. That word extolled means he, he, he'll be lifted up and be very high. As, as, many, as many were astonished at thee, his vestige was so marred before any man and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings, the, the kings shall shut their mouths at him for that which he had, he had not been told. Let me read it again. For that which had not been told them shall they see. And that which they had not heard Shall they consider? You know what? We got to consider this Jesus. You know, every human being on the face of this earth has met that name. Whether they use it as a curse or whether they use it to exalt. But the Bible says, nevertheless, he will be exalted. He will be extolled upon high. There's nothing that can bring him down. But I want to talk about the sprinkling just for a moment. It says in verse 15, so shall he sprinkle many nations. What does that mean? Well, let's go to the word. In Leviticus 3.13, it said, and he shall lay his hand upon the head of it and kill it before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle the blood Um, therefore, upon the altar and around about. So we see the sprinkling here. Exodus 12 and 13. It said, And the blood shall uh, be to you for a token upon the house where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. You see, the blood had to be present. This is called the Passover. Jesus being our high priest would sprinkle his own blood in the holy of holies in heaven for the nations on earth and for you and for me and all that will receive the great gift. He's made a remedy. You know, we spoke on the radio a bit yesterday, you know, just thinking about why did Jesus suffer the cross? And we can be philosophical, but I'll tell you right now, it better be within the parameters of this book. But I will tell you this. It was the only way. It was the only way. When God stood up, when, when the Father stood up and said, let us make man in our image, it shows you they had to have had a meeting. And finally, the Father had to stand up and say, let us make man in our image. Knowing fully the cost, God is not on a learning curve. God is not saying, oh my, I better find a a remedy for this. No, God already knew. But he was willing to make the sacrifice in order to create a man with his own free will. Why? He wants people to choose to love him. He wants people to to make the the decision to say, I 
am going to serve him. I am going to love him. And God knew that it would be a penalty that he'd have to pay in order to see that through. We need a Savior today. When we think of the Passover of the death angel in Exodus twelve seven, it said, And they shall take the blood and strike it on two sides of the post and on the upper doorpost of the house wherein they shall eat it. In other words, the two side posts that hold up the, the, the maybe it's an extension over the door and upon the very door, up, upper part of the door. And the Bible says when he sees the blood, he will pass over. I want you to know this right now. He's still looking for the blood. And the Bible says if the blood, if you have the blood of Jesus, if you've received his blood, if you've received it for the remission of sin, he said the death angel will pass you over. You won't die like the world, like those who reject him will. Now, the Bible does say it's appointed to him once to die. He's speaking not spiritually, but only of the flesh. But we shall never die in our spirit because it's redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. In Isaiah 45 and 3, it said, I have, uh, let's go back first to uh, Exodus 12, 13. And the blood shall be for you a token upon the house where ye are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be uh, un- upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. You know, Egypt's a type of the world, if we look at typology. What you've got to realize, the Bible says in the last day, and we're, we're there, I'm telling you, the technology today is there to fulfill all the Scripture says will happen. Number one, the Bible said that man will take upon himself the mark on his right hand or his forehead. And that mark, what it will look like, it will, it will resemble 666, whether it's a tattoo, which I used to think, but now I understand modern technology, probably just a chip. May not even be visible to the naked eye. But they'll receive it in order to buy, to sell, and to live a normal life. Kind of like the, 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 the vaccine passport today. It's the pre- I'm telling you, it's the beginning. In Australia, already, they're saying that you cannot leave your house and you cannot go to work. There's only three reasons you can leave your house. Number one is medical, to get the vaccine shot. Two is, is, uh, is for groceries. And three is if somebody else in the family has a medical emergency, you have to go. The only three reasons you can even leave your house in northern Australia. I mean, this is restrictive, but it's coming like a freight train. And there's going to come a time when you're going to have to make a decision. Will I serve Jesus and be loyal to him? Remember what Peter, when they said, you can go and you can be free, but you can never again speak in the name of Jesus. And what did Peter say? He said, it's better to obey God than to obey man. I'm not saying the medical vaccine card is the 666. I am not saying that because I don't believe so. The Bible said they that worship the beast 
will receive the mark. That's going to be a prelude to receiving the mark. Is you're already worshiping this entity. And it's coming like a freight train, people. In Isaiah 45, 23, it said, I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto, unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. That's Isaiah's prophecy. He said, my word will not come back unto me. It is going to go out and it's going to complete and do what it's sent to do. His word's powerful. Well, then look at Romans 14 and 12. This is Paul writing about what was already said in Isaiah. He said, for it is written, speaking of Isaiah's words, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess to God. Every tongue confess. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26, it says this, For I have, I have received the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. I have received of the Lord, I forgot the of there, uh, of the Lord that which I have also delivered unto you. What is Paul saying here? He's saying that I am not speaking anything that has not been given me by God himself. Oh, what discipline. I pray that every pulpit in America would have had the same, the same rules. Unless God speaks it, we shouldn't. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he took also the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death until he come. In other words, we're showing that we believe. The Bible says, uh, Paul says that he that drinketh unworthily drinketh damnation to his own soul. What does that mean? You haven't, you're, you're drinking, you're going through the motion, but you don't really believe in Jesus. And you can always tell whether someone believes in Jesus because a person who believes in Jesus is dire to know him. And one who doesn't is one who makes up their own rules as they go. What is the meaning of this crucifixion? The result of the work of Christ when he said on the cross, it is finished. He'd completed the work that he'd come to do. How will we respond to this blood that was spilled? A lot of people, they want religion, but they don't want any of that bloody stuff. They, they don't want to realize just how dirty they come to the Lord. Totally unclean, totally unkept, totally lost, totally desperate. For the, for the cleansing power that only the blood can bring. So let's consider why Christ's blood was shed. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, 
which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Christ's blood was shed and his body was broken because you and I were separated from God. With no way back, just as Adam was removed from the garden and the tree of life. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that live uh, moderately, should I say, moral life. They may say, I've never cheated with my neighbor's wife. I, I've never, uh, I've always obeyed laws. I've always done this and always done that and always done the other. See, that's self-righteousness. Because we find that when we find self-righteousness, we begin to judge those who do not live according to our righteousness. But the Bible said that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Unacceptable to him. In Isaiah 59 and 2, it says, But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. Christ's blood was shed and his body was broken because you could do nothing to bring yourself back to God. When I think of if your steps have separated you from God, then if you have no way to get rid of sin, you have no way to get back to God. Now, we can go all the way to the beginning when they had that meeting in heaven and he said, let us make man in our image. And know this one thing. The sacrifice was already settled. Jesus already said he would go and die. Why? What a cost that God paid for your soul and my soul. What a cost that he was willing to pay in order for his desires to be fulfilled. And that is that a free-thinking mortal being would choose to be his son. By the empowerment of God within him. That's what God wants. He wants sons. You could do nothing to bring yourself back to God. In Isaiah 64, 6 says, But we are like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness is as filthy rags. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 7, 24, Oh, what a wretched man that I am, and who shall deliver me from this body of death? You see, when you... When the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life, he shows you what manner of person you really are. I'll tell you what, that ought to make you break down and cry. Christ's blood was shed and his body was broken because God wanted to make a way for you to be with him. In Romans 8, Three and uh, verses three and four says, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Now, I want you to know something that the, God, the law is 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 righteous. There's nothing evil about the law. 
because the law kind of the law shows the character of God. But he said the law could only show you just how weak you really are. It was the schoolmaster to show you that you needed a redeemer. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Let me tell you this. We're born now in the spirit. It's a miraculous thing. I can't explain it. But when we come to Jesus, we become born again. Nicodemus said to the Lord, he said, hey, I'm kind of puzzled by what you're saying about you must be born again. He said, can I enter my mother's womb a second time and be born? I mean, he's thinking rationally. He'd never heard such a term. But Jesus said, no, that which is born of flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit. That is of God. In Romans 3.23 said, For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. In Romans 5 and 12 said, Wherefore, as by one man sent ended into the world by death and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You were born in sin. And David said, he said, I was shaping in iniquity. He said, God, you're greater than I am. But he realized that God could instill within him the, 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 the heavenly desire. It doesn't come naturally, my friend. You can't just wake up one morning and choose to go to church and change your life. Why do you think so many people are struggling, addicted people that are struggling? And what they find many times is when they solve one problem, it only creates another. They go from, from a drug addiction to an overweight addiction. or They go to, to something else. But only God can redeem us. Only God is the answer. Only God can save us. I was speaking with a man the other day in one of our addiction classes, um, that that J Jeremy and I, I hold here at Harvest Hills Church, and and, and he had a business. He had he had uh, several employees. He had several trucks. And in fact, we were out hooking the plow of my truck. Is I'm going to tell you what I had a truck, eighty thousand dollar F two fifty with a V plow. He was telling me about all the things he had. He had a family and a wife, but yet he got into drugs and lost it all. I began to speak to him. He put his hands up immediately. He says, I don't need religion. I don't need some cult. I said, you know something, sir? I don't need religion or a cult either. I said, but you know what you show me in your life? You show me that even though you had all these things, even though they had relationships, you were still searching for something because you felt empty. And that's why you did the drug that you got addicted to. I said, you know something? The only one that can satisfy is the one who created you. And he began to listen to me seriously. 
and begun to realize, you know, if I look inward, why did I begin to do drugs when I had all these things? Because those things don't satisfy. Why do you think that so many movie stars and, and affluent people, that they, and you'd say, oh, if I only had the fame, if I only had the money, and yet you see them lose their minds, and you see them commit suicide, and, and, and you see the horrific things that they do. Why? Because it doesn't satisfy. In Matthew 26, 27 or 28, it said, And when he took the cup, he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you, for this is my blood of the New, Testament, New Covenant, which I shed for many for the remission of sin. In this book is the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, the book of Leviticus says there must be two witnesses. We have it right here. But what is a testament? A testament is a will. And Jesus said this, unless the testor die, the will cannot be. In other words, you may have a, a, a relative, maybe a mom or a dad or anyone, and they've, they've put you in their will. Well, as long as they're alive, they could take you out at any time. But once, they're, once they die... That testament is sealed. It's sealed with their death. And what the Bible says is that the Old and New Testament was sealed in the death of Jesus. It can never be changed or altered. And you know what? I guarantee if you had a great uncle that had passed who had unsearchable riches, and you knew that you were the favorite nephew... You'd probably want to be at the, at, at, when the lawyer talked about who got what, you'd want to be there, wouldn't you? You'd want, to, you'd want to look at that will. You'd want a copy of that will. And you'd want to study it even before you came to the meeting. So you knew what was yours. Well, here it is, my friend. God's given it to you. It's yours. What will you do with it? Will you pick it up? Will you eat it? This is my flesh. Will you drink it? This is my blood. First Peter 1 and 2 says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto the obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace be to you and peace be multiplied. There we find what was spoken in Isaiah about the sprinkling. And Peter made it very clear that this sprinkling was a sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. Hebrews twelve twenty four. It said, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. In other words, the blood of Abel could redeem no one. Now, the Bible says that the blood of Abel cried from the ground to God and said, and he said to Cain, he said, I hear your, bro your, bro your brother's blood crying from the ground. That didn't mean that, that, that Abel's blood was, 
what was pure. It just meant that Abel was crying out because he knew who was his source, and that was God. And God received him because of his obedience to the will of the Lord. Because Christ's blood was shed. In Hebrews, let's get into the book of Hebrews for a minute. Uh, Hebrews 10.10, 10, it says, By the which we were sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Can you say that? Once and for all. There's no other, there's no other remedy. There's no other way. It's not through Buddha. It's not through Muhammad. It's not through uh, Joseph Smith or Brigham Young. It's not through any other medium other than Jesus Christ himself. And it has already been done. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. People go to confession and hope that a priest can take away their sin. I want you to know nothing but the blood of Jesus can take away your sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Can you imagine that? Not only did he shed his blood, but now he's sitting on the right hand of power. <laughs> Untouchable. They can curse him all they want. But he's overcome for you that you might be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, your Lord. And he sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Wow, those, I mean, I realize there's a lot of religious words in here, but, you know, the word sanctified means cleansed. Dial soap won't do it. Ivory spring won't do it. It might make you smell like an Irishman, but it will not cleanse your soul. Only the blood. So we need to consider what will we do? With the blood of Christ. It's really a question that each one of us have to look at. What will we do? I think of Pilate when Jesus went before him. And he and and he knew that he said he's a just man. And, and he, he finally he sent him to Herod. But what would Pilate do? You know what he did afterward? He washed his hands. They brought they brought a base and he washed his hands. I believe that Pilate today is ever lost. And he's still washing his hands. But they keep coming up stained with sin. You can't wash it off. You could take a shower, but you can't wash the inner man with a shower. You could be cleansed from all of your sin. In Isaiah 1, 18, it says, Come now and let us reason together, say the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Isn't that wonderful? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
We sang that song. I'm going to read it a little bit here. It says, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. God gave you the ability to live a life free from the power of sin. In Hebrews 8, 10 through 12, it said, For this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their heart, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sin and their iniquity. I will remember it no more. No wonderful? What love the Father has. So we ask a question. Will we accept this Christ and be saved by the blood? When Jesus handed the disciples the cup of, uh, and bread, he was confronting them with the necessity for a decision concerning himself. He was asking them to become participants with him in the crucifixion. To give up their lives in order to receive the life that he offered. The Bible said, he that seeks to save his life will lose it. And he that will lose his life for my sake, the same shall find it. I was thinking of, a, uh, I read an article um, of uh, a pastor or a minister speaking to a whole group, a young audience. And, and he looked among them and he said, listen. Many people, they receive Jesus. They come to church on Sunday. And they go out and they pursue their own wealth, their own gain, their own way, their own means. He said, listen, young people, if you do that, you're going to feel empty at the end of your life. But they that will surrender all of that for the sake of the cross and for the sake of Jesus, they're going to find life. And at the end of your life, you're going to feel and understand the, how meaningful this life is and for the life to come. John 14, 6. It said, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He you know, some people say, well, that's kind of narrow. I think it was Oprah Winfrey that said, well, you know, anybody who believes there's only one religion is the only way is very narrow-minded. Well, the Bible said narrow is the gate <laughs> that leads to eternal life. But broad is the way to destruction. There's only one way, people. You can, you can do Zen. You can do yoga. You can do all kinds. Of, you, can, you can hum your way into some utopia. But it will never bring you to a right relationship with God. Only Jesus. And only by His blood. In Romans 6, 4-7, through 7, it says, Therefore, we are buried with Him through baptism unto death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, 
certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who, uh, who has died has been freed from sin. That's what baptism is all about. It's an outward, it's an outward confession that I'm buried, I died, I'm buried in Christ, and I come up again a new creature in Jesus my Lord. In, in John 5, 24, it said, Verily, verily, I say, and that word verily, verily, could be truly, truly. In other words, he's telling you, listen, <laughs> I'm telling you something important. You know, when the teacher gets there and he underlines something, he says, I'm going to underline that five times. You better be sure it's going to be on the test. He said, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Listen up. You know, the devil comes and he said, oh, you know, you're not worthy. You're no better than anyone else. The word of God is true. He said, he that believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. But is passed from death unto life. So we ask ourselves, what will we do with the blood of Christ? Will we reject it? It can and be condemned because of it. In John 3, 17 through 18, it says, 17 and 18, it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The whole purpose of this message, the whole purpose of God is not to condemn you. It's to give you the good news. That's what the gospel means. It's the good news. Many, many years ago, I had a vision of hell. I literally walked in it. It was that real. I thought I was done. The devil told me I died and gone to hell. I was walking down the streets of Cong uh, on Congress Street. You said, well, I don't wouldn't know what kind of a drug you was taking. But I'm going to tell you what. I had a real experience of being lost in an insane asylum. You know, hell has an end. It gets worse. Hell is a temporary place that will be scraped off into the eternal fire forever and ever and ever. We see it in Revelation. But I was in this insane asylum and I remember I desperately I went to a church. This is a true story. And I knocked on the door. It must have been 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Who's at church at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning? There was a woman there. And she was doing her laundry. And she said, you, I wouldn't even be here, but I'm doing my laundry. And I, I knocked on the door. And I had long hair and I was wild. And she opened the door. And I looked at her and said, I'm dead. And she said, come in, young man. Could you imagine what boldness she had? Obviously, God gave her a peace. And she entered. We went in and sat at a kitchen table there in the, in the, uh, the church kitchen. And she looked at me and said, yes, you are dead. Spiritually. But you're still alive physically and able to receive Jesus Christ. As your Lord said, I'm going to tell you what, death is final. That was only God's grace. That gave me this, 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 this taste of death. 
and hopelessness. That I might come to my senses that the Holy Spirit was dealing with me. And I can remember that day saying, Jesus, forgive me. And I cried a puddle of tears in my thanking God that I wasn't dead. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. In Jude 1.4 For there are certain men crept in and unawares who were before old of old ordained to this condemnation. Let me tell you who they were. They were Pharisees, Sadducees, those who were, were, were ordained under the old covenant. Ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Lasciviousness means sin. And denying the only Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. So he realizes that there is those out there preaching other than what is within the parameters of this word. Let me tell you, we have no right. No right. The Bible said if anyone comes speaking, any other, even an angel comes speaking, anything contrary to this word, let him be accursed. Last scripture. Hebrews 2 and 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard it? Was confirmed to us by those who heard it. And you've got to realize there were hundreds and thousands of people who heard firsthand this gospel. And it's been passed down through us in these 66 books. And what we need to understand. Our scripture says. For what had not been told them. They shall see. And what they had not heard. They shall consider. Isaiah. And I'll tell you, Pilate had to consider, didn't he? Herod had to, had to consider. The world was confronted with him. What shall we do with him? The same question is posed today to each and every one of us. And I speak this because I love you. I speak this because I care. I speak this because it is the truth, it is the Word of God, and it is God living with us. Would you be convinced today to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Help me, Lord God, to live for you. Teach me, Lord God, by your Spirit. Let me experience what this pastor is saying today. Fill my emptiness with your joy and your peace. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the privilege of knowing you. 
We thank you today, Lord God, that you love us. We thank you today that you bankrupt heaven to give us a position. We thank you today that you want us to be your sons. You want us to be greater than the servant. You want us to be sons. God, you want us to grow up in you and to know you and to walk with you for eternity. And how awesome that is. And you said, you said, Lord, that the half hasn't even been told what's in store for them. Who receive this great and precious gift. And I pray today that each and every one that hears this message today would receive the gift of life, which is Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. God bless each and every one of you today. And I really pray that you will consider what you will do with the Lord today. God bless you.